Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with your boy Leek. Today, I have a special guest, Dusty Harris from The Amazing Race and currently The Challenge USA Season 2. How are you doing, my brother? I am doing good, my friend. Uh, it's a beautiful morning in the mountains. Uh, I couldn't ask for more. Got a good run in with the dog and I'm blessed to be here with you, my friend. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for saying yes to come talk about mental health. I know not that easy topic to talk about. I think it's more easier now, but thank you for saying yes. Are you sure you want to open up Pandora's box? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but my first question for you, I saw my guest this question. How is your mental health? You know, I would say currently um, I feel very good. Um, I just had my second beautiful child, so there's a lot to be excited about. Um, it's something that I definitely battle with, I think. I think if anyone has watched me on TV, they see a short fuse that I have. And so, you know, I've come from a pretty rough upbringing, but to see where I started from and to see where I am now in life, I'm truly blessed. And it's something that I just need to take a second and remember a lot of times in life because life is good and I feel great now. I'm sad that I'm out of the challenge. It was my dream. Suck to be eliminated. So that stings. But realistically right now, man, everything's good between the years. I feel great. Thank you. I love, I love to ask how's people mental health instead of saying, how you doing? Because I feel like we ask, how you doing? You could be like, I'm okay. But when you ask somebody, how's their mental health? It opens uh, a door to a deeper conversation and say, you know what? I'm okay, but mentally I'm struggling. Today I'm depressed. You know, I have anxiety or just whatever you're dealing with. So thank you for answering it. You caught me on a good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, my next question for you, right, is my second best follow-up question to ask. Um, Growing up, was it okay not to be okay for you? You know, that is a great question. Um, I grew up, my mother passed away when I was seven years old. And so I was raised by my father. Um, God bless his soul. Um, he did the best he could in the situation that we were in. But I grew up in a family or in a household where showing emotion, that was unacceptable. Um my dad didn't really show emotions. If I showed emotions, it was, I don't want to say looked down upon. I don't want to say he was a bad father in that aspect, but like there was no room for crying or worrying about things. It was the real worries were like, how are we going to put food on the table today? Are we going to be able to pay the heat bill? Is my dad, you know, coming home after work today? Um, there were other things to worry about other than that. So I didn't really have time to worry about mental health. It was just a struggle to, you know, how's the day going to start and end? Um, but I think I compartmentalized it a lot. And I feel like it's definitely had, you know, a huge impact on how I've developed as an adult. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, I like to ask that question, too, because like every there's no right and wrong answer to that question. Um, a lot of people grow up differently. It's always good to see different backgrounds, people from different, different walks of life answer that question. So thank you for answering that. Because I know for me, it was like not OK to be OK. Like, my mom and dad was on drugs. My grandma raised me. So, like, I never seen her, like, if I cried or something like that, I was sad. She would tell me, shut up, or just stop acting like a girl. Just, you know, get over it. And then anything she would say. So, just, and I would never see her. I would see her hurt, but I would just never see her, you know, cry or anything. So, 
Same way. My dad never really showed emotion. I mean, he was quick to yell. And I think it, you know, I'm not He never like whipped me bad, but it was a lot of screaming, yelling. And that's just how he portrayed himself. A military guy grew up in a very rough upbringing. And I think it just translated down. Um, I do give him credit though. He did, it's something I look back on constantly now that I've lost my father and, you know, we lost our relationship due to these, the strenuous relationship we had. And, you know, it's something that weighs on me tremendously not to be able to like mend that before he passed and let him meet my children. And so I see a lot of me in him and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that that does not jump a generation to my kids because I don't want them to be in an environment where yelling's happening to where, you know, they're scared to come talk to me about things. It's, I can't have that. Um, and so that's very important to me is to make sure that my head's on right and everything's clicking properly between the ears so I can reflect this to my children. So they grow up not screaming, yelling, you know, violence was always first for me yeah. and talking was second. And it was just, I'm a product of my environment, to be honest with you. And I know everyone says that it's an easy scapegoat, but I truly, just like you, you know, if you grow up in something specific, yeah. it's hard to get away from it. You seem to have done a great job for it. I'm working on myself consistently to do so. Um, and it's a struggle every day. Oh, I'm still working. Every hour. No, I'm still working too, brother. Trust and believe I'm still struggling, but I'm still working through my... <laughs> <laughs> um, my next question for you, what is like as a child or as an adult, like what are some mental health issues or struggles that you had to deal with? I would say something big that I look back on a lot. Um, when I went to, you know, when I went entered the high school, I grew up in Columbia, Missouri. I went to a high school that was very well to do, let's say. I was on the wrong side of the tracks, but going to the right side of the track school. And so I was real quick to jump to anyone's ass that like said bad things about me. My first instinct was to get angry. And it was due to being, I think, ashamed of like where I'd come from. You know, I never told anyone where I lived how I grew up. Um, I lied consistently just to try to fit in. And I felt like that was the avenue I needed to go. Um, and I think about it a lot. And it's like, I'm ashamed that I did that. I was embarrassed of who my father was and what he provided for me. And so that was very heavy. Um, I think any young male going into high school, it's a rough time in life. You're learning a lot about yourself. Um, fortunately, I played sports. I had some avenues to get out of the circumstances I was in growing up in a very poverty stricken area, basically saved my life. Um, but yeah, I, I carry a lot. And as a child, just, you know, there wasn't a lot of communication and love in the household. It was dad's leaving at five in the morning to go swing the hammer all day, get home at 6 p.m. and he's going to bed. So, you know, I carry a lot of that with me. And it's something that I just have to make sure that I want to do better for my child. And I think my father did the best he could for me, but I'm going to do better than that. That's good, man. That's good. Um, I know my mental struggles are just like, you know, you know, I suffer from borderline personalities, this sort of PTSD. A lot of traumatic stuff has happened in my life. So, like, you know, I, like I said earlier, I'm still dealing with my shit. <laughs> I'm still dealing with the stuff I'm going through. Yeah. Like, I might do this podcast. I do this podcast all the time. I love talking mental health, but I still struggle. So I put that out there. I still struggle. Um, Likewise, man. And it's uh, my struggle seems to be I get very stressed out and it's it's like big things don't stress me out. Like the house could burn down and I can burn. Like there's a fuse loose in there and I need to figure out how to rewire it. And it's something I'm working on every day. And uh, I just got to do better. And I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I listen, 
I get it. I get it, bro. I get it. Um, my next question for you, right? St- let's talk about stigma, right? I feel like the stigma of mental health is getting a little better in today's world. But um, what do you say to that stigma that's targeted at men's mental health that says, like, you know, you have to man up, um, you um, get over it, you know, um, don't you can't cry, you know, we're men, we gotta be strong. Like, what do you say to that stigma out there? I mean, there's definitely, we are a different generation. There's no two ways about it. I think the further you go back in your lineage, the more it is of no crying, no emotions whatsoever. Um, I agree with you totally. We are in a point in society where I think feelings are actually coming to the forefront for the first time in a long time. Um, I'm a big proponent. Uh, I realistically think my rude awakening into my mental health, like escapades was on the amazing race. Um, i compartmentalized everything in my life for 37 years and when I had to flip rocks for a half an afternoon in the stress of thinking that I blew it and lost it for our team and just talking with Phil on that I basically told my whole life story things that no one knew about me and it was Mm -hmm. at that moment ever since then I feel like I can share more I'm not definitely the greatest at sharing my emotions but I'm improving I think my wife would tell you that Um, I think people that know me would tell you that as well so it's there is something to, to be said, like the men's stigma about holding it in and not showing it. But I will be the first one to tell you when you let it off your chest and actually just say it and get it on the table, whether that's apologizing to someone for something you said or telling some secrets about yourself that you didn't think people wanted to hear. People do want to hear and it really takes a weight off your chest. I'm sure that this podcast has provided that for you as well. Yeah, it's certain times where I had conversations that I might have been going through something and I did the podcast and nobody knew I was going through it. But when I listen back to it, I'm like, okay, that was some good advice that this person said. That was a good advice that I said. Why can't I take it? You know, so it's been times like that. Yeah. The best advice I've gotten is to you have to be uncomfortable for growth. And um, it doesn't mean just physical or any of these things, you know, running a hundred miles a day. It's, you know, having that conversation, looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself and, you know, talking with someone about your feelings, uh, it will help you. If you're listening to this and you're worried about having that conversation, do it. I assure you, it will take the weight off. Yes, yes, I definitely agree with that. Um, our next question, before we get to the next question, I'm going to answer it first. But I want to say, any of you out there that's struggling with any thoughts of suicide, suicide ideation, the number, um, there's a suicide prevention number out there. The number is 988, easy number to dial, 988. Um, if you are struggling or you know someone is struggling with any, any thoughts of suicide, suicide ideation, or, you know, they're they're available. 365 days, they're available. You could call them if you're bored, lonely, need someone to talk to, or just having a bad day. They are available. I promise you they will answer. I called them plenty of times. Um, My question for you is, um, have you ever dealt with any thoughts of suicide, any deep dark depression? But I'll answer it first, just to make you feel comfortable if you want to answer, but you don't have to answer. Um, You know, as a child, I was sexually abused by two of my male cousins. Um, Dealt with that trauma all my life, packed it away, thought it was done or whatever. Um, came back to me when I got to 22, then 26. That's when it really started affecting my life. 2019, lost my mom to liver cancer. Then nine months later, lost my sister. So like, you know, grief, trauma, you know, suffering from borderline personality disorder, being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, PTSD. It's just like a lot has been on my mind and everything and just been messing me up whereas there are times that I've done this podcast ladies and gentlemen that I've been depressed you know after I got done I you know probably didn't want to be here no more I wanted to end my life and everything 
just made attempts and stuff like that. But I'm just saying, please reach out to somebody. Um, I used to volunteer for NAMI, but NAMI Bucks County, but NAMI is all across the world. They have free online support groups. They are not intended to replace therapy, but therapy is a must. But these support groups are amazing to be in a support group. Most of them are online in person. Um, every state has a different NAMI chapter. And it's good to be in a group of people that understand mental health issues. Absolutely, man. So on my aspect, um, first, I must commend you. Uh, you have been through a ton, man. Uh, I think everyone has a story about something they've been through. And I'm a firm believer. The hardest thing you've been through is the hardest thing you personally have been through. And so I think it's something to take away when someone is feeling bad or upset. As, as an outsider, you don't know what that person is going through. Take the time to listen. I complete and utterly want to reciprocate what you said. My Instagram tag is DustyHarris03. If you need someone to talk to, message me. I will talk with you personally. I'm putting it out there. DustyHarris03. Instagram message me. I will call you. I promise you. I don't know if I can call all of them depending on how many reach out, but I'm here for you guys. Me as an individual, um, I have never gone to the lengths of that. Um, I feel like, you know, where I feel like I need to take myself off of the plate and not be here anymore. I haven't experienced that. Um, I feel like when I get to a point to where my emotions are building and I know it's coming, I can feel anger building. I lean towards anger first yes. before anything else. And so it's never been to a point where I've like hurt anyone physically or things, but I've said things and then you black out. You don't remember a great example of Tiffany. I didn't remember saying like anything like that to her. It just, I saw red, no pun intended being on team red flags. And I just jumped to a conclusion before analyzing it. Um, what wasn't shown. I was literally trying to tie my shoes to go work out. I was like, get away from the situation. And I just didn't do it. Um, but to recap, no, I've never been down that Avenue, but Brother, you are a strong man. You've been through a ton, but what you're doing, your voice for the people and, you know, providing this podcast and us an opportunity to chat with you. Keep doing this, man. You have a calling. This is your blessing, man, to all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody listening, like I said, again, the suicide prevention number is 988. Um, if you feel lonely, depressed, sad, you still want to talk to, uh, 988. Dusty said you can hit him up in his inbox on Instagram. He would definitely... Um, be there for you. Um, you know, please dial that number. Like I said, they're there, they are there 365 days, like no days off. Like they are there. Like call that number, get into your local church church group or just like any support groups. It can be different support groups out there. Just make sure you get into some type of community because you know we can't do life alone. Um, but that's I, I just something else too, real quick on that. Just yeah. get out too. I just want to reemphasize just like even just get out and go on a walk and just take in the beauty and realize what you really have around you. Yeah, take man. the time, just walk, think and walk. Walks are amazing, <laughs> absolutely. Just get out and start moving. It will, it helps. Yeah. Um, my next question for y'all, I want to ask you mentally, right. What was the difference in doing Amazing Race in the Challenge USA team? Oh, boy. Uh, I will say that doing the Amazing Race in the Challenge is literally oil and water. It is completely <laughs> two different animals. Um, I knew what the challenge was. I mean, everyone knows that I've watched this thing since its, you know, its inception. Uh, the Amazing Race, I was very blessed to have Ryan, my one of my childhood best friends with me, someone oh. that I could find in and know that he wasn't going to backstab me. And the, you know, the mission on the amazing race is just don't get last. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Whereas when you walk into the challenge house, there are cameras on you 24, seven, 365. 
you learn real quick that competing is about 10% of the game. It's what's going on in between the ears inside those four walls of the challenged house. Um, nothing can prepare you for the challenge. Nothing. Because every season is going to give you something different. There's a different theme. There's a different set of killers coming in the house to get you. Yeah. But at the same token, it is the most stressful, mind-boggling, put you on pins and needles thing I've ever done, but I'm so addicted to it. And it's just all I think about is going back. I got to get back in there. <laughs> I don't know why or how mentally, but I, I got to do it. Um, I find growth in that stuff too, man. I grew so much from both shows because you have to put yourself out and the world sees you. And as you know, Twitter can be rude and mean, or it can be very nice to you. Um, it is something, it's a different animal on the social media front as well. Amazing race, very supportive. The challenge, they either love you or hate you. I feel like a president. <laughs> I talked talk to Lewis. He was saying that um, that with the challenge, you know, y'all, the challenge and Survivor, Big Brother, they get to vote people off. But Amazing Race is not like that. It's like a total different ball game. We definitely walked into the hornet's nest. Two of us against the conglomerate of what we were against. I mean, it I is what it is. I didn't agree. I told Lewis today, I was like, I just feel like y'all should have had more Amazing Races. To even a playing field and everything because if you got two y'all y'all always gonna be on the chopping block to go because no blood on hands yeah that's so sad and stuff um oh my next question for you right let's talk about that note that you left Johnny right <laughs> I think that note was dope with stuff like that you know like if I was on there let me tell you I'm a big fan of CT and Darrell and all them if I was on the show I'm listen I'm acting, I'm writing a note too and stuff like that like I would act the same way and stuff like that. That's like like people that I watch. Like I watched this show. Um, I think the first season I watched was Battle of the Sexes too. Yeah, so a long, I was long time. Yeah, so I watched it since then. So like, if I mess up on people, I would do the same thing. So like, let's talk about that note. Yeah, man. So, kind of the backstory on the note. Um, you know, we entered the challenge house. I turn right instead of turning left. And I, lo and behold, I'm in a room with Polly, Johnny Bananas, and Josh. Three of the, you know, biggest personalities, legendary vets of the show. Johnny Bananas, you know, going into it, you're a fan of the show. You got to like him. He's the GOAT, let's be honest. Um, it was never my intention to, like, become buddies with Bananas and this whole thing. You know, there is some magic in editing and TV, guys. Um, so the note... When Johnny was going into elimination, um, before we knew it was Polly, he was going in. We had a very good feeling. He wanted to go in. And so I had been struggling just between the ears a little bit. The house, you know, it's a few weeks in. The pressure's building. And we would just, you know, we share a room. You talk a lot at nighttime with your roommates. And I just got a lot of sound advice from Johnny Bananas that it didn't just pertain to being on the challenge and being great at that. It's I portrayed it to like life lessons, you know, some things that he said that really stuck out to me was cutting against the grain. You don't need to flock with the fish. You know, that's something that, you know, in the show, I think it's going to be portrayed as that, but in life, I think that's important as well. And so my note to Johnny, as it was pitched as a love letter, um, it was just a token of my appreciation for some information you know, just some knowledge that he passed on to me. And if you get eliminated from the challenge, there's no saying goodbye. It's, you know, pack up, you're gone. And so I just, in the event that he was going home, I slipped it in his bag just to thank you to him. Um, it just kind of meant a lot in a mental standpoint of where I was at in the house. It was just advice that, you know, we would have that talk. And in the morning I woke up 
refreshed with a new view of how to go at it. The guy has done 23 seasons. I picked his brain. I picked Wes's brain. I picked all the vets brain on just how to mentally deal with this pressure cooker. And, and the best advice that I will give to anyone going into this carnage is you're going to have a Richter scale where it's real high and it's real low. Yeah. It's whoever can keep that Richter scale closest to the Mendoza line at all times is going to succeed. And as you saw, the first time I pop off, you're going to go in and you're going to have to earn your stripes. It's the nature of the beast in the challenge house. I knew it as soon as it happened, I was lacing the boots up and it was time to go. Yeah. So I love you bananas, but bananas is not my hero. Everyone. Uh, he's oh. a great guy. He was a good friend in the house and I have no regrets on giving you a letter. Thank you for the advice, brother. It was very helpful. Um, and people need to pay attention. Sometimes the shows they edit stuff the way they edit and everything, and people don't get there to stuff like that. So I learned my lesson. You know, like Paulie is one of my good friends, right? That's my bro. Yeah. Like we hung out. He came to Philly. We hung out stuff like that. That's like we talk every time and everything. So like that's my friend. So like when he was on Big Brother, I cannot stand him. Like I tell you, I hated him. I hated him. But when he came on a challenge, I'm like, okay, who's this? Good? I'm like this. This is a guy that's talking shit. You know that's competing and stuff like that so yeah. i know him and like i've been on his instagram live he's been on my podcast before and i told him before i'm like i'll never forget what i couldn't stand your ass i did not like you but you are like my bro and i had to really look at stuff like okay editing is a mother effort you know editing, yeah, no doubt <laughs> i try to realize like i try to take it to myself like don't have so much of an opinion on something or someone that's on a tv show that's edited you just never know you know you just never know I have two notes on that because you literally hit a home run with that statement. One, Polly is the real deal, man. Um, I got to share a room with him as well. I learned a bunch from Polly. He is doing a lot of growth within himself and like being around that, it really rubs off on you. And so dude's an outstanding guy, um, better than advertised, to be honest. And secondly, just to piggyback on what you said is what you do see is an edit of us on TV. I mean, there's some flavor of what you get is what you see is what you get. But I, you know, I have these conversations with people like that person you see on TV, you may love him. You may not like the real me because I am a little bit different in my home setting. I'm very calm and docile. I spend time with my kids. When competition comes into play, I go from zero to a hundred real fucking quick. It's no two ways about it. Um, and it's just the, the energy of the house. And so all the people realistically, when you have a real conversation with them are such good people. It's just cameras and the pressure of living in a challenge house make you do crazy things, man. Yeah. Um, my next question for you, right? Um, what are some good coping skills you could recommend to someone that's struggling with their mental health? And before Dusty answers, um, his coping skills, my coping skills may not work for everybody, but there are coping skills out there that work for someone. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, I love it. And this is something that I have really dug into and started working on. Um, I know we talked briefly about some books and I'm reading a book right now called Rage before I get to the one you sent me. And something I've actually been putting into play, and I said it to you just a second ago, is like, I can tell when my emotions are starting to like fire up, I can feel it. It's like a slow burn and it takes a long time for it to get to where it's going to blow up. But when it does, it's ugly. And so I'm a big proponent is try to get away from the situation, whether you're arguing with your spouse about something, whether you're in it with whatever the situation may be, like take a deep breath go take a 10 minute walk and really analyze what is making you mad about the situation. And that's what I'm finding, finding myself doing now with a newborn at home, not sleeping whatsoever. It's like, sometimes I just need to set the baby down, walk away, have a talk with my wife real quick. Listen, can you give me five minutes? And I come back a better person and I realize what 
you start thinking and realizing, what are you angry about? Like, what's upsetting you? There's really nothing there. Like, okay, let's move past this. And another thing, if you're having quarrels or, you know, you got beef with someone, talk to them. It may end the friendship. And if that's it, as long as you get what's on your chest off, I think it's going to stop the fuse from blowing up. And man, talk to people. You have to like, don't hold your feelings in. Um, You shake a soda bottle up, it'll burst. You know, I think it's a good analogy. Like people love everyone. You have someone that loves you. I don't care who you are. Talk to them, tell them your feelings. And if they really give a damn about you, they're going to help you get through it. That's true. And remember um, coping skills, like there's so many out there that can work for you. They may not work for you, but you know, journaling, you know, well, we all have phones now. You, It could be a written journal. You could type it on your notes or, you know, anywhere on your phone. You could do a voice journal. That's always dope. Um, therapy is a must. You might not find your therapist right away, but keep searching or just find someone to talk to. Whoever is that, your partner, your husband and your wife. Like, like I was just telling Louis today, I said a lot of people don't realize that when you're in a, a marriage or relationship, that is like your first, your, your first therapist, your husband or wife, your significant other, because like you talk a lot, like you talk about a lot of stuff or talk through a lot of stuff. So, um, whatever it looks like support or looks like just make sure you find it like um taking a walk like you said get active you know I, i'm a firm believer in walking i had a therapy session one day when i was walking in and i felt so amazing after that therapy session i'm like damn like i was walking working out just walking around it was hot outside though but i was like wow that was like a good therapy so i let a lot of stuff out so i think if you do hard shit it starts turning the smaller things that start getting to you. Those little things that get to you when you start doing something hard, you don't want to do, let's say it's a two mile walk every morning. No one wants to get up and do that. But when you do that and overcome that, the other stuff starts getting easy. It really does. Those little things that pestered you and weighed on you. It's like, if I can get through this first thing in the morning, I've already conquered the shittiest thing I'm going to face throughout the day. And I have found solace in doing that. Um, I have to work out in the morning or I'm a terrible person the rest of the day. It's just no, like my wife makes me go. Yeah. Um, I've found solace. Listen, I need to get more active. Like, just, yeah, I need to get more. I need to start walking more. There's times where I have times to walk, but I need to just go out there and just start taking that walk to get my mind off of stuff. Because like I said, I still struggle with some stuff. And if I feel like if I walk more, I'll probably be a little better. Yeah, I'm definitely going. To. Thank you for that. I too. think it just allows you to take things in around you too, where your mind will just like I don't know. I have conversations with myself, and it seems to clear out the cobwebs. Sometimes there's a little left, but sometimes it helps. At least you get some out, right? At least you get something. something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last question for you is: um, Someone's listening to this podcast, right, and they're struggling with their mental health. What do you say to them to tell them why it's important that they put their mental health first, right? A lot of us that struggle with mental health problems or issues, uh, we put everybody else first besides ourselves. I think the best answer to the question you just asked me is if you don't take care of yourself first, how are you going to be able to help anyone else? How is anyone that cares about you? If you're not there, you're causing more harm than good. Like take care of yourself. So you are the commodity to the people that love you, to your community. You come first everyone else will take care of you second. Because if you focus on yourself, you are a better person. Your shine is brighter. It's going to bring people into you. Um, and I think it's just going to reciprocate. It's a very reciprocal thing. When you put shine out, shine comes back to you. And I'm a big firm believer. I live in the mountains. I'm all about good vibes, man. And it's just talk. Don't wait. 
and get get on it because the longer you wait, the more it's going to build and you're either going to explode, say something you regret, do something to someone you regret or something bad will happen. And it's just not, it's a bad feeling to wake up in the morning after something like that happens and you have to wonder what you did, what'd you say and feel terrible the whole next day and carry and wait, man, it's just not worth it. Life's good, guys. I know the world is crazy, but life is good. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I want to say, nobody, I always say this every time I do the episode, nobody's going to put your mental health first like you're going to put your mental health first. Um, you cannot be there for others. Like Desi said, when you are empty, you need somebody pouring into your cup. We cannot do this life called, we cannot do this life alone at all. You need help. So make sure you are taking care, before you take care of others, you take care of yourself first. You cannot be there for others while you're not okay. And trust me, I'm a firm believer in it. I've been through that where I try to be there for others when I wasn't okay. And then once you're done helping them, then you have no one to fill up your cup. You know, it's, it's a bad feeling. So absolutely. Make sure, make sure you put yourself first. My last question for you, I want to ask you, um, what's going on with you? What's, what's next? Like what's next for Dusty? What's going on with my bro? What's going on? Next for Dusty. So I will be spending the next few weeks spending ample time with my beautiful new son, Charlie, and my oldest son now, Miles. Um, my wife and I are taking the kids and my mother-in-law to Switzerland at the beginning of October. Yeah. So we're going to go spend a few weeks there, kind of retrace the amazing race route once more um, and just enjoy life. Uh, then get back, get back to work. It's on season for Ironman training and I'm getting ready for next season of the challenge. That is my number one objective, my number one goal. I have unfinished business. My foot needs to go in a few asses and I got some business to take care of. Um, what you saw first season is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I will win the challenge. I a hundred percent believe it. And I just need to, you know, make sure that I take care of what's happening in between the years. And I'm going to be one hell of a competitor in this for the foreseeable future. And I will tell you this 40 don't mean shit. Cause I'm a bad man at 40. I'm going backwards. Benjamin button, baby. I can't wait to see you back on TV, but before we go, I do have a quick game for you real quick. I'm going to ask you some reality shows. I'm going to ask you, where are you going on? Um, yep. Where are you going, Survivor? Absolutely. I would love to do so. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> I think it would push me in some different ways. Um, and I'm an outdoor enthusiast. I think it's the ultimate test, you know, other than like alone or any of those crazy ass ones. Yeah. Um, Big Brother. Absolutely not. You could not pay me enough to go be a social experiment. I've seen what it's done to these people. <laughs> and I respect the show. I think the people that come out of it, they are different from when they start. I mean, it is crazy. Uh, you like, absolutely. I didn't even say absolutely. You said absolutely not. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I would be good TV. I don't think I would last very long. The walls would close in quick. <laughs> um, what about the not the challenge, even though you're on the challenge USA too? What about the main show, the challenge? I mean, as a fan from road rules real world to yeah. the inception of this if i were ever blessed enough i get a chance to go compete on mtv the flagship it would take a cold day in hell for me to not be on that airplane it would be an, a dream come true wow that's dope um are you familiar with a show called the traders yeah would you go on there the usa version man that one yeah, I would take a stab at it. I think realistically, I think the only thing that scares me is Big Brother. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you. Yeah, Big Brother. I get Big Brother being locked in the house. Like, uh, I had people, like, you know, from Big Brother on my podcast. 
And uh, yeah, get, being locked in that house, I could, I could yeah. <laughs> it's a huge commitment too, man. If you make it to the end, you're gone the whole summer. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, I just want to say thank you, Dusty, for coming on. Thank you for talking mental health, brother. I really, really appreciate you coming on, my brother. And you know, it means the world to amazing. me, man. You're amazing, man. You are amazing. That means the world, and thank you for allowing me to chat. Um, I honestly feel a lot better. This was very, I mean, it was it was good for me. I mean, it was basically a therapy session to chat with you. And I'm a firm believer in what you're doing, man, and continue what you're up to. And if you ever want me back, I am here for you, brother. Okay, thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the time, man.